the greatest that I want to be at is like balance, being able to do the lifts, being able to be really great at business, being able to be like a great husband or, or uh, what father, whatever it may be, but just have a holistic balance. And while somebody may be able to stay up later than me and work, that's okay. You do you. But I don't think that person could compete with me when it comes to managing the lifts, managing, um, at least right now, the school, the job, the, the girlfriend, all these different things, right? Hello, everyone. On this episode of Overdue, we had Will Lawson. Will is the co-founder of Resolve, a startup helping crypto businesses recover their stolen assets. Hear about how Will himself got thousands stolen in crypto and how Resolve was initially just an idea in his TE250 class and has since gained support from investors. Outside of Resolve, Will's top priority is being the best at balance. With a 4.0 GPA, 315 bench, and a passion-igniting startup, he's definitely living true to this claim. This one was a great time to record, so I hope you all enjoy. Welcome to Overdue, where we cover the stories of certified product starters and ambitious entrepreneurs, from college students to accomplished professionals. Guys that they're like... That's what I was going to say, to each their own. I mean, if that's what he wants to devote life to, yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, and for us as a podcast, but for <laughs> you as a result, right? Sure. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean... Okay, I know we've heard that we started it from your TE250. TE250? Did I got the course number right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like from Idea to Enterprise. Yeah, so like, I guess, how did it come about? And like, what exactly is it? Just to like, give us a little bit of context, but also the audience who may not know. Yeah, so we can start from the beginning. Ooh. Let's hear it. It started in November 2021. This was like the first time that I ever got into crypto. I was working this internship um, at this company called Ardog. And I had my buddy Jermaine. He was telling me about how he would make all these profits in crypto. He was making like thousands and thousands of dollars. And me, as I think at that time I was a freshman, I was like, you tell me you making money just looking at your phone and hitting buttons? So immediately I wanted to start getting into it. And that's where he, st- he started to send me some crypto and got me into the space. So I'm going through uh, learning about all this crypto stuff. And then in June 2022, I'm doing something that was probably stupid in, in hindsight. You know uh, when you're trying to find like the cracked version of Adobe Premiere or you're, you're just trying to download a software illegally? Yeah. Or I like, probably should not be doing this. Or like went back in the day when I wanted extra gems and Clash of Cans. And then I'm kind of going through all these little like, should I really be here? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in my case, I was not trying to pay for Adobe After Effects. And that's where I was scrolling through YouTube, trying to find the, the crack tutorials. I'm looking through all these videos, none of them working. Now I come across this one video and immediately, for some reason, I go to the comments and they start saying like, oh, thank you, this, this works, thank you so much, I've been looking forever. So I'm like, okay, social proof, social credibility. We'll uh, go ahead and click the video. No joke, the first words that come out of this man's mouth is, you need to turn off your antivirus for this to work. And I was like, ah, you're not going to get me. Not going to do it. So I keep scrolling through the video or all the, the YouTube videos. And I'm not finding nothing. For some reason, I come back to this video. And I look at the comments again. Again, they're saying, oh, thank you so much. I've been looking for hours as I was. And it finally worked, blah, 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 blah. 
So I just give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst yeah. that can happen? I download the file that he said. I turn off the antivirus and then I run it. And then nothing happens. So I'm like, ah, oh, okay, it's, it's just a, another video. Now the next day, I pull into work and my phone starts vibrating. I'm like, what, what the? I see notifications that say all my crypto, all my assets, everything that I owned in my wallet, which was at the time about $6,000 worth of stuff, was being taken and being sent to a wallet I didn't even recognize. And in that moment, when I tell you my heart dropped, it was like, you know when you're on a roller coaster and then you're at the top about to go down and your stomach just kind of, it was like one of those feelings. And that's because I knew that there was literally nothing I could do. Because with the way the blockchain works, once the funds are sent, there's no way that you can get them back unless, say, the hacker decides to send them back to you. So fast forward some time, there was, again, nothing I could do there. But I get into this class T250, and that's where at the, the beginning of the class, they tell us, okay, you've got to pitch an idea, um, build a team, and then you're going to take this idea to enterprise. That's literally the class name, from idea to enterprise. And so I'm thinking back to this experience, and I'm like, okay, well, what if we come up with some like bank crypto idea? Because the, the idea really started from, or it stemmed from this this notion of how having the banks or having you as a consumer being able to call the bank when, um, say, you get your credit card stolen. And then all you have to do is let them know and they're able to get the money back from you, right? So it stemmed from that, but I didn't know how I was going to build the thing. So I just pitched that idea and I said I wanted to bring it to the crypto world. In that class, there was this one guy that since like day one I hit it off with. His name is Clark. And... I pitch him this idea. After I pitch it, he comes up to me and he's like, Will, how do you, th do you think this will work? Like, how feasible do you think it is? I'm like, sure, I don't know. I just pitched the idea. And he's like, okay, well, what do you think it'll look like? And so for 15 minutes, not even, we just sat there on my iPad sketching out little, like, boxes of what the, the UI would look like. And the next day, he came with a full mock-up. I was like, Oh yeah, this this guy's a go-getter. He takes initiative, and that's who we're going to start the company with. So since then, that was what September 2022. Uh, we've made a ton of progress, and we've definitely developed the idea a whole bunch more. So now it has become this this three-phase system. the The entire business is based on um, token wrapping technology. So essentially, a user would come in and they'll deposit their crypto assets, specifically what's called ERC20, ERC20 tokens. They'll deposit them into our multi-signature vaults, is what we'll call it. And in return, they'll receive a protected equivalent of that asset. So say, are, are you guys familiar with crypto? Uh, not really. Okay. Not really. I'm like following now. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. I, you're, you're explaining it well, but I'm not too familiar with that. Yeah. All right. So you know Ethereum? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of it at least. Yeah. Cool. So Ethereum in itself is not an ERC20 token, but for the sake of this example, we'll just say ETH. So you have your ETH, say you own it, and you want to go ahead and protect it. You'll deposit it into this system, and then in return, you'll receive protected ETH. Now, the two tokens, they function basically exactly the same. The only difference is that with the protected ETH, if it were to ever be stolen, we have built-in recovery functions that allow us to take the asset out of the hacker's wallet 
and then return them to a designated wallet, recovery wallet of your choosing. So that's that first part, the token wrapping, what we call protection system. And then say the inevitable happens where you get your funds stolen, you'll go ahead and submit your evidence, which is phase two. And that'll go to this uh, decentralized system of jurors that we like to call the resolvers. <laughs> These people can come from anyone, be anyone, come from anywhere. Um, there's like a few requirements that they have to meet. But for the most part, it's this system that allows anybody to really participate in it. And so when you submit this evidence, it's the resolvers who will be able to look over that transaction and determine whether or not fraud has occurred. Just like our jury system in the U.S., right? And if they are on your side and say that, yeah, the fraud has occurred, then we're able to tap into our freeze and recover algorithms and trace those funds wherever they are, even if they've, they've traveled through multiple wallets, and be able to, again, strip them from the, the hacker's wallet and return to you what's rightfully yours. So that's it in a nutshell. I see, I see. <laughs> wow. I have, uh, you explained that very, very well, because I was about to say, well, well, like one thing I'm a little bit, uh, I just want to make sure I understand. So when I have those funds initially in my wallet, like I think, did you say ETH? Like yep. If, okay. When I like have those funds initially, what was that saying? What were you explaining when like, the whole like protected, like you, you also have to purchase some that's protected? Or there's like copies of the, of like, can you just explain that part again real quick? Yeah, yeah. So we'll walk through it again. Say you have your ETH. You just bought some ETH and now okay. you want to go ahead and protect it. Okay. You'll deposit it into what's called our custodial vault. Custodial vault is really, a, on the back end, it's a multi-signature smart contract. But what you can really think of it as is, you know how banks, in, at least in the movies, they have these huge vaults. That they'll turn around. <laughs> yeah. In the vault, there's the gold and the... Uh, all the money and everything, but they put it in the vault to keep it safe, right? Now, the money that you put into that vault, you need some way to know that it's yours. So say there's gold in the vault, then you need to know somehow that the gold is yours. So in return, the bank may give you a bank note or the U.S. dollar, for example, when the dollar was backed by gold, mm -hmm. right? So by the same token, with our system, you'll deposit your ETH into this vault, and then in return, you'll receive this bank note, which is your protected token. And then the protected token, you can do whatever you want with it. But it's just with, if, it, if it's ever stolen, we're able to get it back. So th does the protected token work kind of like ETH would be, like the way ETH works? Like you could spend it anywhere ETH is accepted? Yeah. I well, see. not anywhere ETH is accepted, but because this would be a new token. Okay. So... At that point, it would really just be like a business relations uh, type of problem where we would probably need to set up partnerships with different businesses. So is, if you wanted to buy an NFT like on OpenSea with protected tokens, us as Resolve, we would have to form a partnership with OpenSea so that they could accept these protected tokens. Is Are these like protected tokens your guys' own form of crypto? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you okay. guys, you guys made like this whole new currency almost yeah okay that, okay. that, that that's not, where the egg yeah, clicked not, not, yeah, not that uh sense. that analogy used where it's like how they how uh the dollar used to be backed by gold mm -hmm. that helped that like i feel like that crystallized it like in like in our understanding but okay i see wow yeah that was that damn so like 
That's one of I'm the just, best explanations I've heard for like yeah. something as complicated as that. So. I, I love I love like the whole question where it's like, oh, like if you really do understand something, explain it to me like I'm in fifth grade. Are those <laughs> things like those are uh, that's when you really get test like if somebody like understands like the whole like nuances and everything. And like, wow, that was I'm just thinking about looking down in my pocket and realizing six thousand dollars of my crypto. Yeah. Gone. I'm telling you when that's actually something that I probably wouldn't even wish on my worst enemy because it's one thing to have your money stolen and at least like, you know, the guy who stole it or at least even if you don't know the guy, there's a way to find out and be able to get it back. But given the the way that the blockchain works, not only can somebody just take it without you being able to get it back, but there's so much anonymity that the blockchain itself provides. And so most times you don't even know who took it from you. And there's, it takes years and years and years to even begin to find that person, nonetheless get it back. For $6,000, that's a drop in the bucket. I mean, like, chump change for yeah. most yeah. people. So most people aren't even going to look into it. Yeah. But at our age, though, that's like, that's a, that's a pretty, that's so a pretty big. For me, it was damn near everything I had at the time. Yeah. It probably feels even worse considering you were contemplating downloading that, that's, that software or whatever it was yeah um he probably, I, he probably bought it out the he probably bought it out his youtube comments I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, understand that now i will never pirate any software that was the the one lesson i learned for sure like now i paid for all my adobe products shout out to adobe <laughs> well one thing i am curious about is this is probably i guess a problem that many other people have stumbled across right just because it's pretty natural so, like, what makes you think, like, as, like, a college student, I know you're a senior, you're about to be graduating. We just talked about, like, this is going to be your main focus when you're out, as well as probably is as well now. But what do you think makes you and your team different to be able to, like, solve that problem and really, like, bring a resolve to, like, to, like, the top of the industry? Yeah. One, the main thing is the fact that I experienced the problem. And so it's no longer this thing that, I don't know, you see a market uh, analysis or you see this trend going up with crypto rising. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I should maybe hop into this space. Now, for me, this is a personal mission now, because like <laughs> yeah. I said, I don't want anybody else to experience this. And so the motivation there is really what continues to drive us. But on top of that, the team that we've built, like Clark, uh, me, we just brought a, a CFO on. Though we don't we're not like those most knowledgeable people in the crypto space. What we do understand is that most people aren't knowledgeable about the crypto space. <laughs> and as a result, we kind of have a different perspective on, on how we're building our product. It's like, have you ever heard of the, the curse of knowledge? What that is? So no, when you no. know something, it's not like you can ever unknow it. And so when what we see in the crypto space is that a ton of people, they know about like these ZK rollups and the throughput of the blockchain and all these uh, super jargony terms. And engineers are especially are super uh, vulnerable to this. They try and implement all of that into that product, right? But with us being that we don't know most of these things, at least in the beginning we didn't, we just didn't try to implement those things. And, as, and because of that, it became a super simple product. Like our tagline is we're literally creating a product or a security tool that even your grandma can use. And that's just because we're making it that simple. Now on the technology end, I will say um, the base of the technology was actually developed by this woman at Stanford. Well, she's no longer at Stanford, I believe now at Circle, but her, her name is Kaylee Wang. 
And she was the one who developed um, the freeze algorithm as well as like the foundation of this entire thing. So we're building on top of her standard. But thank God she did a lot of the grunt work, I will say. Yeah. Um, I do I do have another question about it, though. Um, so this might just be this might be a stupid question because I don't know how crypto works. But like how how do you guys like make money off of it then? Oh, yeah. Um, like is is your new protected currency like giving you a feedback or like how does it? kind of work it's even simpler than that every time somebody deposits their assets to be protected we just take a percentage of those assets what, oh, per, okay. what percent so it's it depends on the threshold so it's a three-tiered uh percentage threshold i believe from like one thousand dollars to ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine it's five percent from a hundred thousand to nine hundred ninety nine 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 whatever yeah that's uh three point five percent and then a million plus is 1.5%. Okay. How much, just out of curiosity, you can answer, you don't have to answer this, but like how much do you guys have like of people's money put in there yet? Or are you not launched? So right publicly? now we're super early stage. We don't have okay. a product out yet, okay. but we did just finish our prototype. And so we're going out seeking LOIs. So that way we what can are, prove what are that LOIs? there. LOIs are letters of intent. So it's just basically like a promise from um, a customer that they'll deposit their funds or spend money with you once your product is live. But what that'll do is show that there's tangible market interest. And that way, when we approach, approach investors or are looking to raise our pre-seed, then they have some confidence to know that, yeah, people want this thing. Okay. I see, I see, I see. That's and the great thing is that so far we've raised, uh, I believe, like $24,000 $24, in LOIs. Oh, that's awesome. So that's great. There's, there's been some decent traction so that's far. We just completed our prototype. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you understand the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, because you've been through it, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. Um, but one thing, I guess, on the same subject, but I guess uh, like a different hat of it. Um, but your your position is a CEO, right? So, within within your team, how many people are on your team? Just like so, the audience. Right now, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, counting a contractor. Okay. Um, but he's not full time, so we'll just say six. Okay, so you have this team of six, right? And you're the CEO. I take I take it there's a lot of a lot that you've learned just about teams, right? Of like, okay, maybe like we want to meet at this time, or we want to meet this way, or like, okay, maybe this person's a little bit better at that. Like, I need to be better at like my delegation skills or whatever it may be. What have you learned the most in this process? about maybe it's leadership, maybe it's more technical stuff. Like what are some lessons that you've learned like throughout this journey so far? Mm. That's a great question. The two things that pop into my mind first and foremost are gonna be communication. Communication is key from a leader. And then second is there's different communication styles with each person on your team. So not everybody communicates in the same way. I say the first one because Originally, when we were like just first starting out, our team has actually rotated a ton. Um, ori originally, we had so we started with the like four people that were in our TE group, uh, TE being the class. That's awesome. And I then, think that's awesome. Yeah, those four people gone, or like two two of them gone. So now it's just me and Clark. And then we brought somebody else on, uh, no longer there too. And then I believe we brought another person on. And also nobody, uh, just not there, didn't work out also. And with each of these people, they've had, or actually, 
from myself. Communicating with each of these people was really the determinant factor in whether or not they got the message and whether or not they would stay. So I think the other thing that comes adjacent to that is having like a ton of responsibility. I feel like I'm guilty of this, that I blame a lot of things on myself, whether it may or may not be the case, but I'll take responsibility over everything. And so when it came to these people leaving or staying, um, I see it as a lack of effective communication on my end. And that's either I wasn't communicating enough, I was under under communicating and not over communicating, or uh, yeah, I wasn't just tapping into their communication styles. Which brings me into my next point, Understanding how people communicate is crucial because, I mean, it's clear that there's like introverts and extroverts and uh, some people, they, they write they write better or like they do better writing things down or some people, they talk better, stuff like that. But understanding, especially your core members of your team, how they communicate best is what's really going to allow them to succeed in the organization and thus drive the organization forward. So I know recently... I felt kind of weird doing it just because I was like, why am I asking this question? But I had to ask my co-founder, how do you communicate? Like, how do you like to be approached in um, certain certain discussions in conflict? How would you communicate there? And then even with the CFO that we brought on, his name is Drew. He had a completely opposite style than my co-founder, Clark. So that's just something that is explicit. You have to sometimes explicitly ask these things. And while they may seem cliche or kind of weird in the moment, doing so and having them known and brought to the conscious mind is way better than just like guessing. Do you think that that's important to kind of establish that way of communication, not only like in business, but just in friendships and other relationships in life as well? Is that something that you like prioritize as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you might have saw I was reading this book called Crucial Conversation. Crucial Conversation. And that's one that really taught me a ton about like communication styles and all that. Um, yeah, that was that's a great book, by the way. You guys should definitely read it. It's, it'll be added to the list. That yeah. with I think my parents are giving me a hundred million dollar leads by Hormozy for uh, my parents always give me a birthday book every single year. Yeah. So I they were like, oh, what do you want this year? And I'm like, hundred million dollar leads, hardcover copy. That, that's it's cool. The, that's Save the, it. Hardcover copy. What? On the bookshelf. Not a <laughs> yeah. hardcover copy. You it's, and Hermosi. I hear, so I've been listening to the pods. You've always got a quote from Hermosi. <laughs> I, always. I know. Well. Dude, you had one at the end of, so you well, know we had that little Zoom Zoom meeting. Well, well no. Well, yeah, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna get there, brother. Okay, we're okay, we're going right. to get there. Right, hold it, hold it. Um, I just, I've, I think it's just naturally. You, you, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've go through like phases of kind of like different, like just consuming content by like one person mm-hmm. or like mostly one person where they make up like 80% of the content I consume. And like at one point it was David Goggins. And like at one point it was Andrew Huberman. Um, I like, I'm trying to think back. Like at one point maybe it was Chris Williamson or like maybe at one point I was really into My First Million, whatever it was. And I think the last like six months I've been going through like my hormozy phase mm-hmm. and just consuming so much content. And it's just at the forefront of my mind, like so many conversations because instead of listening to like 10 podcast episodes now, I think I've listened to the hormozy modern wisdom one like five times Really? because like, I'm like, there's so much value here. I'd rather have it ingrained to where, I can actually change like some of my actions rather than just kind of skimming through books or podcasts to just do it. 
right? And I found that that would be a better way. And like, I've just consumed so much Hormozy content that it's just, it's just there, you know? And I could hear myself reciting like some of his stuff. It's just second nature. You hear it so much that like, it just, you just say it now. Oh yeah. Well, so. cause I mean, I, I take it you've experienced this, but sometimes when I'm talking, I'll, do you ever have, sometimes I'm able to get like, sometimes when I'm talking, well, I, okay. I put sometimes, okay. When I tweet sometimes, I like, that's when I'm able to articulate thoughts in like a one sentence way. And then when I really take the time to put it in like that one sentence, then in a conversation like this, I'll bring it back to that one second, one sentence articulation that I'll have. And I'll do that with Hormozy one second, like one sentence articulations as well. Do you see, you see what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, finish your story. Finish your story. Where was, okay. I go through, oh wait, where was, oh, I go, wait, wait, where, where were we at? Where I was like, okay, we go through like phases of like people. Crucial. Oh, oh, crucial conversations. Oh, Before yes. We oh, so like, yeah, with my parents and okay. Every year they give me a book. This year it's gonna be hundred million dollar leads. Yeah. And then every year my mom writes like a two two page message in it, which is like awesome. Just like about like just like mom stuff, which is which is great. So I'm looking for that's for my birthday, which is in a couple weeks. How long has she been doing that for? My whole life. You, you got all the books in your room. Mm-hmm. Or? Mm-hmm. Awesome. What's your what's your favorite book so far out of there? It's probably a hard question, since it probably started with like. Yeah, so anything before like seven, like I think there's one book where it's like I love you forever. I lo- wait, no, I like you for always. I love you forever. Like that's like the like main like theme of it. I love those books, right? But like I don't know how much they're impacting my uh, actions these days. One of them was Can't Hurt Me. Um, at one point it was Twelve Rules for Life. Uh, it's a Jordan Peterson book. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I think my fa- the one that changed me the most was Can't Hurt Me, probably, at the time. It took me, like, way past. Like, I read it my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. It took me, like, way past what I should have been at. Mm. Like, I was lifting, like, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but, like, I was lifting, like, five, six days a week, well, like, baseball practice, like, six days a week, like, two games a week on top of, like, I was studying for my test, like, in the car as my mom's driving me home. And, like, gosh. it was, I was, like, balling, right? Yeah. But it definitely wasn't healthy. And I was also doing that, like, running 25 miles a week. 25 <laughs> miles insane, a week? Dude. Yeah, like, I was just in a different state. Like, because Goggins. <laughs> Shoot, I might have to read that book now. <laughs> Goggins, like. Dude, if I can get a quarter of that, right. that's perfect. <laughs> When you give Goggins to a high school boy, oh, my God, man. Like, it just does something to your brain. I definitely went through my Goggins phase, too. Well, it it wasn't even a phase. It was more like how you were talking about you consume content from one person for a period of time. Goggins was one of those people. (laughs) Yeah. I I have one vivid memory where I think I was on, like, mile 20, 20 of the week or something. And I was like, okay, I got, I got a, it wasn't like I run 25 miles. I spread it, sprinkle it out through, throughout the week. It's like a Friday and I'm like, okay, I, I need to run today. I'm like, it's pouring, but I need to run. I'm like, I'm getting out of gym class. My high school tracks like right outside where everyone else is walking out of school. And my gym class was my last period. And I'm like, I need to run. I'm like, I'm not going to not run. That's just not an option. 
So it's downpouring, right? And I'm just running in shorts, like, in the rain. And all these kids are walking out. And I'm just, like, I'm taking their souls. <laughs> like, Because that's, like that's, like, a Goggins thing yeah. where it's, like, someone's so shocked that you're doing something that they, like, get their soul taken from them. It's, like, you know, it could be a little cringy. But I'm just, like, oh, like, like I'm working right now. Mm-hmm. And that's such a core memory for me. But I'm, like, we were way past the goalposts of what we should have been doing. Because almost to a fact where, where you're doing too much. And, like, it can get... I guess like toxic on you because you're just you're doing too much and it's like almost setting you back it's like if you overtrain in the gym right and like that's what i had felt like it had been like but i mean if you're making this like your priority now like have you ever felt that like with resolve like oh i'm putting like so much time into this that like maybe it's not healthy maybe it's not healthy i don't think i've ever thought it wasn't healthy i think the closest thing to that thought is I was spending a bunch of time on resolve during the day, which would start to push my schoolwork back. And then it would start to stress me out because I was like, okay, I got all these things that I've got to do for resolve. And then I've got all these things that I've got to do for school. How can I manage? So recently I just like rescheduled my entire day to where now I'll only work on resolve stuff, at least major stuff um, during a block of time. And that's usually in the evening. So that way, I'm not super stressed with school stuff, and I just get that done during the day. So really just being able to partition my day has has remediated that feeling. Do you think for now, like, obviously now school is probably your priority, right? Yeah. After, <laughs> well, I mean. Well, he's a senior. Well, he's yeah, almost, you are a senior, yeah. but, I mean, I guess if school is making it higher on earlier in the day, oh, right? Yeah. So. Because well, that's, that's how I usually prioritize my day, right? Like the things that are more important to me, I'll do earlier in the day. Not that resolve isn't important to you, but do you think that? So after after college, you're I was just about to. Are you doing? You're doing resolve full time? Yeah. Okay, so then it'll obviously pick up the grind a lot more for that. So, I mean, what's like your plan to like do like a work life balance then? Because I mean, I feel like it's very easy to get caught up in the whole like. Obviously, you want to see the company do well, so it's very easy for you to get caught up in the whole, like, working all the time, like, or working on the project a lot, especially considering school will be over. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that gets brought up a ton, uh, going back to what you were saying of how you hear, you, you, you listen to people for stints of time. One of my people was Muhammad Ali, and you might have heard this, this sound bite from him. He's like, I am the greatest. <laughs> like, you, you know that sound. Everybody's heard that sound yeah. bite. Right. And it got me thinking, like, what can you be? How, how did he know that he was the greatest in that particular sector? And when he knew that, how did he choose that particular sector? So for Muhammad Ali, it's easy. He's the greatest at boxing. Michael Jordan arguably is the greatest at basketball. And I'm looking at all these people. I'm like, okay, what can I be the greatest at? Like, what can I even strive to be the greatest at? I wouldn't want to say business because while I want to be really, really, really great, not good, but great at business, I'm not sure if I could be the greatest just because I don't want to live a lifestyle like Elon Musk who's working 90 hours a week. Um, I think he has like three, four divorces. That's not a lifestyle I want to live. Um, I could be the greatest at fitness, but at the same time, like, I don't really like working out. <laughs> um, 
he coming for C-Bombs plays. Right. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't want to be the biggest, like, Arnold or something like that. And so I really got to thinking is, like, balance. Being able to do the lifts. Ooh, being able to okay. be really great at business. Being able to be, like, a great husband or, or uh, what, father, whatever it may be. But just have a holistic balance. And while somebody may be able to stay up later than me and work, that's okay. You do you. But I don't think that person could compete with me when it comes to managing the lifts, managing, um, at least right now, the school, the job, the, the girlfriend, all these different things, right? And so what I look to be is the greatest at balance. Now, I still try, I'm going to still try and carry that same philosophy even after college. I won't have school, but I'll have resolve. We're also looking to start up an agency, like a design agency, so that way we could uh, fund Resolve and not take in, take up as much investment. So that'll just prop the company up. So I have my time, my hands full with that too. Uh, but yeah, I'm not too worried about it, honestly. I'll still be able to manage as I have been. Dude, that's awesome. Balance is like one thing that I, we've, we've talked about this before. It's like something that I think everyone can improve on. So it's like a great thing. Right. To try to be the greatest at it. Um, that, that was that was so far. Yeah. That was that was a great way to put that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm curious about because I kind of have this dialogue with myself is I want to have balance, but I also want to spread myself too thin. So how do you balance those two things at the same time? I guess or like know the difference of like oh am I like going at this holistically and I'm improving and everything. Or am I just spreading myself too thin and, like, I'm not seeing results in any? I wish I had the answer for you on that one. That's a question that I have not – I've thought about so much, but I don't feel like I've ever really been able to find an answer for. Because I think I'm in a lot of the, like, same ways of, like, that's what I want to be really good at, too, is, like, being, like, in the gym, like, having, like, my lifts and numbers as high as they could be. But also, like, having a podcast that's, like, doing really well, but also – having a pretty solid GPA and then like all of these things stacked on top of each other. Like, I want to be good at all of them. But then I feel like I was kind of spread myself too thin. And like, I, it's, it's an interesting dilemma. Do you understand what Absolutely. I do you ever feel like you are is, spreading yourself I, I say too I wish I had an answer for you because this is something I'm honestly still trying to deal with. Like on the outside, it may look like I got everything figured out. I'm getting my lifts in. Um, I've got the girlfriend. I've, I've got a 4.0 GPA right now. Yeah, not too bad. Well, after this Damn. semester, it's probably not okay. going to be the case. But not, right now, we do have a 4.0 <laughs> GPA. Um, I got a part-time job just to pay the bills. Um, all these different things that I'm doing. But in doing all these things, there are times where I do get overwhelmed. Like especially not last week because last week was uh, Thanksgiving break, but the week before that. Oh, we yeah. were talking. Yeah, we were talking. Like, we saw each other. You saw me, and I was just like, "Holy shit, man! I'm I'm running on fumes right now, man." And there'll there'll yeah. be days like that, which is okay. But my philosophy is that it should never be two days in a row that you're skipping heavily on sleep. And so, while I haven't been able to figure out exactly what it is to to not spread yourself thin. I have been coming across tools that will be able to help me do so. So there's this book called Essentialism that my buddy Luke, uh, Luke, what's Luke's last name? 
No, not Clancy. Oh, Clancy. shoot. Luke Amano. Oh, not Clancy? Luke Amano. You might know him, but um, he was okay, a senior last year, so he graduated. I don't know. He gave me this book called Essentialism. <laughs> okay. And the premise of this book is less but better. So it's really taking back control of your schedule and cutting out all the fluff, all the things that you think you should be doing to, that will perpetuate your success. But if you really, really scrutinize what it is that you're doing, they're not needed. And so the few things that you do say yes to, you do those exceptionally, exceptionally well. But everything else, you just throw it by the wayside. And what that's contrary to is this hustle culture. It's like, oh, you should be doing this, and you should be starting this business, and you should be you know, sleeping three hours a day and all these different things, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you look at those people, and then you look at their life while they may have Lamborghinis and all the hot models around them. A couple years later, it's they're experiencing burnout. They don't have stable relationships, depression, anxiety, stuff like that. And for me, what I've noticed is that, or what I've started to um, change in my life is I no longer look at what people are tell you to do or what people are doing in the moment, but instead look at their results. Look at the product, the, the fruits of their labor. And when I see things like that, the, the depression and anxiety from this peop, these people who are telling me to sleep three hours a night and grind, 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 grind all the time, I'm like, yeah, that's not the life I want to live. So I completely forgot where I was going with that, but... I can see it. Like I think the. I can see it. Like I think the. It's so bad for me to say this, bro. But yeah. the hormozy like season of no, like came into my head when you're talking about essentialism. Because honestly, if I you could lend me that book, that'd too, be. Yeah. I'd love. It. I'd love to read that. Because when I read, I try to read something that I could apply. Because that way, I actually feel like I'm learning from the book I'm reading, and I feel like that's something that I could it's immediate, super, super immediately apply yeah. and like. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And with, yeah, no, with that being said, I had a thought that I wanted to. I wanted to add, I think, like, the whole, like, spreading yourself too thin. Oh, I know. That, that's, that's where we started, I think. Um, obviously, that's a question that none of us have the answer to on, like, how to differentiate that. But I think the way I've been trying to figure it out more is, like, when I'm doing a bunch of things great and then I start to add more things and then all those things go from being great to good to mediocre, that's when you know you're starting to spread yourself too thin. And that happened for me in the beginning of this year. I was doing things great last semester. Then I started to add a whole bunch, started to become everything was, like, good or mediocre. And then now I've cut a bunch of those things out, and things are, like, starting to go back up. Like, I've started to focus more on podcast again. School is obviously a big priority. And then, like, just one or two other clubs that I have or other projects that I'm working on. And... Now things are starting to, like, become great for me again. And it's, like, when I'm working on just a few things and they're great, that's when you know, like, I feel like that's the sweet spot that you have to, like, kind of take take five steps back and, like, look at it and be like, all right, all those things are working well for me. This is where I need to stop and hold it at this position and just know, like, this is, this is like, that sweet spot. Because as soon as you add more, everything's going to go down to good and then obviously to mediocre and worse and worse. So it's it's important to just, like, take a couple steps back and, like, look at how th- everything's going, like, holistically, which I think what you were getting at. So With you, what, with what you were saying with the whole, like, uh, like hustle mentality. Here, can you just... Um, it reminds... I worked at a... 
I worked at a company. Uh, well, I'm not gonna say the name. It was like solar, um, a like solar company, okay, like this summer. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. And like I was, I did door to door sales for like a month, month or two. And kid, there was some kids in my office that one of the kids was 17 and was making three grand a month. And another one was my age and making 250 grand a year. Shyster. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're making. Yeah. He's like, I'm in the wrong line of business. <laughs> no, they were making a ton, ton of money, right? But they were not living lives that, like, I would want to live. And, like, anyone could live whatever life they want, right? But they're making all of this money. And then every single weekend, they're going downtown, getting bottle service, and going to strip clubs. <laughs> and it's like. I look at that. I'm like, okay, you're making a lot of money, but you're com- like every single day. You're so tired, like you're living just a life that, like, frankly, I wouldn't want to live, and like I wouldn't trade it, you know. And that was interesting to me, interesting for me to see on paper. Okay, on paper, they're making 250 grand a year, and I'm making, I don't know, like if I was not that much, not even close to that much, right? And some people would look at that and be like, oh, I'd e- easily take the other one, but I'm like, I wouldn't want that. And I think you could easily get in, like, that game of, like, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't want anyone else's life at that same point. So I always end up taking the balance at the end of the day. But that was an interesting perspective shift to actually be around, like, a different group of people. Going back to what you were saying and what you were actually saying before, I was reading this article yesterday, and it proposed this, this word that describes the concept of doing nothing. The word is Nixon or Nixon, depending on how you pronounce it. But what the article was saying is that people, they often try and fill their schedules with just things to do. And then when they don't have things to do, they experience this level of stress, especially in our culture now, um, the American culture. It's just like if you're not doing anything, then you're losing. You're falling behind. Right. But the dichotomy with not doing anything is yes, if you don't do anything to like uh, to an extent, if you if you take it to an extreme and not do anything, you're lazy. And when you do that, you're not getting anywhere, right? But when you're doing too much and you don't put in deliberate times to do nothing, then that's where you start to experience burnout. And so that middle kind of middle ground of deliberate and intentional time to do nothing is what's called Nixon. And Nixon, it's they did a whole bunch of study on studies on it, but it's shown to boost creativity. Uh, that's where, like, the most creative ideas that people come up with, is just when they're doing nothing, or when they give the brain time to relax and not always focus on going from one thing to another thing to another thing. So that's what I've started to implement in my life. Uh, one of the other things that the the article talked about, which was kind of funny, was. You know, when people show you their schedule and it's like super busy and you can get the sense that it's, it's kind of like a flex. Yes, yes, exactly. So they were talking about how being busy has kind of become this status symbol where it's as if to say, oh, I'm so busy, which means I'm that important of a person. And when I saw that on the page, I was like, damn. I'm just like that. I'm like, not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say. You know, when you, the fact that you're able to say, like, damn, yeah, that's me, that takes a level of self awareness. 
which puts you ahead of hella other people. I'm just saying. But, yeah, seeing that that was me and that sometimes I'm just doing it just to do it. It's like saying, oh, uh, oh, how many hours did you sleep last night? Well, I slept four hours. I slept eight hours. Oh, I slept four hours, so I must be better than you type thing. Right, type thing. I got four more hours making money. Yeah. Reading that on the page, I was like, Gary B. Okay, that being me and me having realized that now, I'm going to make a change. And so I've started to implement uh, like deliberate times in my schedule where I'm doing nothing. And if I've completed all my work, whether it's school or resolve or whatever it may be, and there are blocks in my calendar where I'm doing nothing, okay, that's time for me. And do not feel bad about it. Unapologetically so. I like that. I've, I've tried to implement that more. I've went through... I guess the like, counterpoint to that was like in the like in the spring, I had so so much time. So then I just tried to fill it up with like okay like if I'm getting lunch I'm gonna get it with someone else. If I'm doing getting a lift I'm gonna get it with someone else. So that way like I kind of filled up my schedule, and then I kind of kept that habit up of like doing something with somebody else, like at the beginning of this semester. And I was so much just naturally like I was I had so many more commitments this semester. That after like the first month of that, I'm like, I can't do this. I love people, but like lifting with someone would like lifting was my. I don't mean if I'm sound corny, but like lifting was becoming my time alone with myself. So like, I just couldn't afford to do it with somebody else. Like I needed to be alone to kind of like let my head wander, because like that was when I was actually able to think, and like it was peace, like silence. I could like throw in some music and just kind of relax, and I feel like. I don't know. That isn't. It isn't prioritized enough. Like, cause I've gone through phases where I'm like, bro, I need to be listening to a podcast when I'm listening, because then it's productive. And then I'm maxing everything out. Every single minute of every day, I'm doing something, and I don't think it's healthy, cause then you're just not retaining as much. And yeah, you're like, well, it was actual term for it. Nixon. Yeah. So it's like Nixon. I might be pronouncing it wrong. So it's probably Nixon. But you've talked about that twice, of, like certain things being cringy. <laughs> the first one was with whatever David Goggins was saying, uh, "I'll take your soul" or something like that. And then the second one being <laughs> letting time for yourself or letting the time in the gym be for yourself. I think the reason that we deem these things to be like cringy or kind of like cliche to say is because where we've heard them before is in these cliche scenarios. So you take um, somebody who says, like, follow your dreams. But people usually say that in these, like, corporate seminars, and it's coming from, I don't know, cliche people. Affirmations is a huge one, right? That's something that if you were to just say, oh, I am great, I am wealthy. Like, it sounds cliche. But there is so much value to these things. I'm telling you. For example, with what you were saying with David Goggins, I guarantee you that pushed you to achieve the thing that you did, right? Oh, yeah. I'm the the most powerful word in the human language, or at least in the English language, is I am, in my opinion. And that's because whenever you say I am, whatever follows that defines the trajectory of your life. It's only cliche if you believe it to be cliche. But when you remove that notion from your head, it unlocks this massive, massive realm of potential and I don't know. I'm I'm like a huge advocate for affirmations and 
and all that. Because I've seen it work so much in my life. I have a, uh, I have two quick points I want to make. One quote I kind of live by is actually from my mom. And like we were walking someday, like we were in like eighth grade, and I said something about, I guess it's kind of I feel like awkward, corny, and cringy kind of always ha- like ha- are in that same like realm, right? And she's like, well, I said something about something being awkward. It's like, well, right? It's only awkward if you make it awkward. And like, I feel like awkward, corny, and cringy are all like built on perception so if you kind of get rid of like societal like it's literally just whatever like society considers normal like what society considers this so if you just kind of break the frame of like i don't consider it that then it's not cringy it's not corny it's not awkward right and that's something that's always stuck with me the other thing was one of my like one of the things i was able to articulate in a tweet was like i'd rather have delusional thoughts lead me to where i want to go than facts stop me from trying and I feel like that's so true with I am because you could believe something that's false, but if it gets you to where that's you want to go, that is a cares? bar. Wait, yeah. say that one more time. Uh, yeah. The delusional facts one. What? <laughs> I'd rather have delusional thoughts get me to where I want to go. That is a than bar. Than facts stop me from trying. Damn. Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> right. Put that on a picture of the sunset. You no, know, I'm gonna have to write that one down. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I like because I was just so present in my mind for so many months and then when I take there's times when I take like 15-20 minutes just like you put wrote it that? into a one sentence tweet you wrote that? And dude yeah. that's a bar yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> my goodness <laughs> that, thank you bro but I mean I think a lot of it's just because it was so present in my head and I'm like using it as I'm using it as something to propel me forward and it's just in my head so much you know that like slowly when I try to explain it, it, like, becomes more and more crystallized, like, over time, like, my understanding of it. Um, and that was, like, a big, like, th- that's the biggest thing I've learned this last year. It's like, okay, it doesn't even matter if it's true. Like, I'll think about it sometimes with this. If, like, I ask a question and maybe, maybe it's, like, perceived in, like, the wrong way, right? There is no advantage, and advantage for me to believing it's not my fault, right? Maybe it isn't. Like, maybe it's, like, completely on, like, whoever in any conversation whoever like the other person i'm talking to is but i gain no advantage for me to believing it's not my fault because if i believe it's my fault and i'm not too disparaging about it i'm like okay like maybe it was just a little way we like our tone when we said this or maybe it was like this little word choice because then there's a series of actions that follows and as long as you're not too hard on yourself about it i don't think there's any reason to believe that like it's not your fault. And obviously, like, there's, like, exceptions. But I feel like that's kind of under that umbrella of, like, delusional thoughts at the same time. Because it's all perception. It's all under that umbrella of perception, right? Because any way that you can set a series of actions after a belief. I don't know if I'm just asking right now. No, I was just going to say that's – Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. Like, that's – I've never thought of it like that, but – listening to what you're saying like that's right the reason i, I said that's a bar like three right. times and the, the audience is probably like all right bro it's a bar oh <laughs> uh, i resonate with that so so heavy because you take startup statistics for example they say like 90 percent of startups will fail and even of the 10 percent that will succeed they'll be out of business by like three years the statistics are completely against us 
We will lose according to the statistics. We will lose according to the But that shouldn't stop us from trying. And I feel like the one thing that I've always said to myself is, okay, for me, I am like stupid confident about where we will take resolve, okay? This is something that we're going to sell the Coinbase. We will take this to the moon and back. And like I have all these beliefs in my head, but I have to remind myself, okay, William, don't be delusional. Now, in reminding myself that, I don't want to make that a limiter is what it is. But instead, it's like a, a grounding in reality. But delusion, I think, is a good thing. Because what's the opposite of delusion? It's probably like grounding or something, right? Complete realism. And if we go by complete realism, it's the facts. So the, the, the phrase that you just said, say it one more time. Say it one more time. Thoughts take me to where I want to go. Then facts stop me from trying. Yes, bro. That the thought that I just made was super choppy, but the point there is, without these delusional thoughts and simply abiding by the facts, you will get nowhere. It's the delusional thoughts that make you crazy enough to think that you actually can. And I think it was Steve Jobs who said this: the people who are crazy enough to believe that they can actually do. That's the only way. Yeah, you've got to be delusional. Hey man, shout out Steve Jobs. Yeah. Yes, there's a there's another example that I kind of like see that come true as well where I don't know, like let's say in high school if okay, in high school, like let's say I bring like 100 different girls like home to my parents. I'm like this is going to be my girlfriend. 99 times out of 100, they're not like I'm wrong, right? I'm incorrect. Like they're going to tell me like, "Oh, like she's not going to be the one. Like why are you even trying?" right? And even though they're correct, they're not necessarily right or it's not the right way to think about it because even though they're correct, then I'm not going to have the one out of a hundred times that I actually do bring home, like the girl that like I'm actually going to marry, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's with you, we're going like startup statistics and, um, and just kind of like seeing statistics and like, oh, like actually like, is it worth it? Cause like, I mean, if you look at like divorce rates, you're like, oh, like, shouldn't get married right but still you kind of got to have that like blind optimism again in the words of steve jobs um that like everything's gonna work out and like when you look back like you're gonna be able to connect the dots and there's power in that and kind of like having that blind optimism having that delusion in the present to be able to like go through like the actions that may not seem feasible now mm -hmm. and that's why i've been saying this with resolve i truly believe that it is not the case that we can fail we cannot fail because the only thing that will cause us to fail is if we stop. And stopping is in my control. So if I choose not to stop, I can't fail. That's the logic I go through. And that, that, that's, like, that's like the best mentality to have, right? Because, I mean, this kind of goes back to our mentality with the podcast, right? I mean, it, it, it kind of touches. So say, say the line you said at your Procter & Gamble internship. The, Do you remember it? Um. Was it the infinite? Yeah, yeah. The infinite goals yeah, and yeah, finite yeah. goals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the same thing. Um, so there's infinite goals and finite goals. And the infinite goal is basically what you're doing, right? Um, you're in resolve until you're not in resolve. Like, you control how long you're in resolve. Right. If you set a finite goal for resolve, it'd be like, all right, resolve has reached my, like, capacity or, like, resolve not capacity. Resolve has, like, reached what I wanted to reach once it makes, like, 
a net profit of $200,000 a year or whatever. Once you put that like monetary or like not even monetary, once you put that like numerical value on it, you're now like at a finite goal because there's an ending point. Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for it. Um, we have like a similar thing with the podcast for that, right? Like that's why we didn't buy all those followers because we don't, like we don't, we <laughs> yeah. don't, we don't have like a number. We don't care like if we get two million followers, we're not get, that or like two thousand followers. There's no like number to stop it for us, so that's like we're not in that whole like finite game with it. And the infinite game for us is like we're in it to learn more from people like you, learn more from our past guests and our future guests. So like that's how we do it but it's like the same for you and i use that in my internship interview <laughs> yeah yeah so, he bagged it he yeah. bagged it so yeah but, but yeah I, that's basically the same thing yeah our uh like when you play an infinite game it's not when we reach x it's to keep playing the game mm. right mm-hmm. and we're just in it to keep playing the game and you're just in it to keep playing the game yeah. yeah so you can't lose unless you leave the table so let me ask you this at some point or another given any project or goal, you will have kind of achieved where you want it to be, right? You will have gotten to the mountaintop. My question, and this is something that I've personally been like thinking through a ton, is when you reach the mountaintop, what's the motivation to keep going? What do you mean by that metaphor of reaching the mountaintop? And so to elaborate on that, the thing that I've been experiencing personally in my life is I said earlier, I hate the gym. I don't hate the gym, but it has been the case that I feel like I've achieved the goals that I set out to achieve. And now it's like, I've reached this mountaintop and I don't know how to keep going because the motivation, I won't say it's not there, but it's definitely not strong enough to keep me going when it gets hard. I think there's, there's two ways to think about it, at least the way I think of it. <laughs> yeah, my like, head's in two places, too, and one of them you probably know. Mm-hmm. But um, At least, like, when I think of it as a mountaintop, is like, now I'm at the peak, and, like, you're coming down on the other end. Mm-hmm. I think, like, it's important not to think of it like that. You got to think of it like, all right, mountaintop, made it to the climb. Um, Now, like, let me make sure I don't, like, go back down. Let me make sure I stay at that top. Or the other way of thinking of, of it is... There is no mountaintop. You keep going, yeah. but which is the way that like you would ideally want to think of it. But like life happens. That's not the way it always goes. So I mean, I think like there, the way to think of it is yeah. Now you've reached the mountaintop. Never come back down. Right. Don't think of it as a peak. But if you have to plateau for a little bit, that's fine. But you have to understand that at some point you have to have the mentality to go back on that climb. Because never settle, right? Mm-hmm. Never settle. The two things that I, w- the two ways I would think of, one of them is don't even almost think about it as like a mountain. Think, reframe it as just a game. And maybe even it's like a marathon where, again, like we were saying with the podcast, the goal, in this case, the gym, the goal isn't to be in the best shape. It's to stay in the best shape. So it's almost just reframing the goals in your head because then, like, your metrics for success change. It's not, oh, like, am I benching? I don't know. Like, can I bench, two, like, 280 yet or whatever it may be? The goals are, like, do I still feel good, like, after lifting? Like, do I still have the same, like, quality of life, I guess, where I'm, like, 
everything is just like peaceful. I can feel the endorph- endorphins flowing and all that. One thing, and I think that we've talked about this before, when it just comes to dopamine, mm. I think we actually had this conversation. I think like Henry was talking about like, Will, when, if it, Will's in the gym and he's like curling, and that, do, you, do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, the three yeah. types of fun. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but I've gone through periods where I'm just in the gym and I'm like, why am I, like I'm lifting, but like I'm just kind of here. Like I've got my AirPods and I'm like, why am I even listening to music? Like I'm not really enjoying this mm. as much as I used to anymore. And then I start to think, like, it's just got to be, like, I just maxed out my dopamine, like, receptors where I'm, like, now that baseline is I need those things to enjoy my gym session, right? So then what I did, like, for the first, like, three weeks before I came back to school is I just went no music and then I went no pre. So I was just, I was just lifting. And, like, the first time I'm like, yeah, this kind of sucks. But then the second time is, like, you just enjoy it a little bit more. Like, you enjoy it a little, and then you get to enjoy the act for the act itself again. Hmm. And that's more in, like, just dopamine release and whatever it may be. But then, then like, then when you have pre, like, oh, oh, okay, I feel dangerous now. It's like, I'm back, you know? And then they spike above where that previous threshold was. So, I mean, there's two ways you could kind of think about it. One is, like, one is kind of like my Huberman mind talking. Right. And the other one's the Hormozyman. Intermittent reward system is exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, I, th- I think that's like the technique. Like, one's the Huberman brain talking, one's the Hormozy brain talking. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's what, I mean, that's where like my head would go. Okay. I think just framing it as a mountaintop in your head is like kind of where the problem stems. Yeah. And also, I think you could benefit by getting your frame broken too. Oh, absolutely. Of being in the gym with someone that like puts up, I mean, I don't know how much you bench, but like whatever it may be. But like some guy uh, that three fifteen three fifteen okay 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 that's what yeah like you if you're in the gym with someone that benches four plates you're like oh sh like damn and like, see that's the thing that I I was thinking of doing I was thinking of just like okay maybe maybe making bigger goals because originally my goal was to look like Michael B Jordan <laughs> but I don't mean to be ostentatious or anything I've achieved that goal. Like, if I were to take off my shirt off right now, bro, I might even surpass Michael B. Jordan. Damn. Uh, damn. But that's what I'm saying. I am. Right? I am. You feel me? But uh. that's the thing. Like, I've achieved all the goals that I've set for myself. In high school especially, I remember as a freshman, uh, we had to write letters to our senior selves. That's awesome. And I, I remember specifically the thing that I wrote on that paper was – Oh, Will, right now, you're this skinny little kid, uh, skinny freshman. You weigh like 120 pounds. By sen- When you're in your senior year, I want you to be huge. I want you to be swole. Now, it wasn't my senior year that I got like super big, but I've been able to meet that expectation that I set from my freshman self. And now it's like the, the thing that got me to where I want to be is no longer the thing that I feel like is going to keep me here. That's where I've got to come up with a bigger goal. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I, in a way, I mean, I'm not to that point yet, but I've definitely, I think, like, I, I like another, like, one of my, like, recurring thoughts I, like, got into a tweet was something along the lines of, like, I read a list, like, very similar to that of, like, I made a list in COVID of who I want to be and, like, the future, or, like, two, three years. And I'm re- going through that list, and not in any, I don't know what, cool adjective you use what is it starts like it sounds like my name 
uh ostentatious oh ostentatious yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like when you said it the first time yeah. that's what registered but i'm like i am that now like i'm like a lot of those qualities i'm like i've worked on that like i am that now but i don't like i don't know but to a point it's like okay like what now and there's still a lot of attributes to my video game character that can be upgraded still but i don't feel like I don't feel like I have as many points to go as I used to. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to incentivize now because I I understand what you're saying. Um, And it's been something that's kind of been present in my head as well, especially in the gym because, I mean, there's like a lot that I could go to, but I'm like, now we're regarded in the way that we want it to be in a lot of ways. For me, I think uh, what it really stems from is this fundamental reason of like, I need to, revisit my why i think it's my why that i might have forgot or since i've achieved all these goals that it's got to change given my current state i mean this is just something that like you said when you write it down and uh, you take this deliberate and intentional time to think through these things i'll inevitably find it but for now that's an answer i'm still searching for and to keep me in the gym there's like these short-term fixes the motivational videos um, the affirmations, uh, like the pre, I don't drink too much pre, but just like once in a while, stuff like that. But I still deem these things to be short term fixes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're what? Are, are you 22? 21. Yeah. Well, we still have a lot of answers. Like we, we don't need to know it all at this point. And I mean, it's good that there's still the, like, I mean, I still don't know anything and like, you don't know anything. Like we still don't know anything. So it's good that like, there's a lot of these questions we don't have answers to. Um, but there's one last thing I wanted to so I asked to kind of like wrap it up. Uh, this was a Homozy quote that we had. Uh, we've talked about him a lot now, so I guess it seems a little cliche. Yeah. But it's ultimately in the movie, like the Rocky cut seems only 30 seconds, right? But in life, it's like a lot longer. Like it's years. Like our friend Casper was doing like this for like, he's been making Instagram theme pages and content for like seven years. Like Austin's been doing Brothers Nuts for like six years, right? And it takes time. And then that movie, it's only 30 seconds, but the grind's a lot longer than that. Like, what does that, like, kind of, like, mean to you, whether that's in, like, lifting or whether that's, like, within Resolve and these areas where you have to make down payments and you're not necessarily sure if you're going to get your crypto back. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You had me up until the last part. (laughs) Tie it back. Tie it back. That's a great analogy rocky cutscene, because i feel like i'm in mine right now and the reason that i had brought up that last point and why i'm like thinking about this uh, all the time now is because while yes this instance right now has to deal with the gym and the fact that i've developed this routine and now kind of honestly the routine's getting old that'll eventually happen with resolve that'll eventually happen with your relationships but it's up to you to kind of reignite that spark that first got you in there in the first place. And so if I can learn this lesson now, then I can really just apply it given maybe a few tweaks to all these other scenarios. But it being this rocky cutscene, the the question was? Essentially, I actually had a follow-up that I was ready to ask. Okay. Um, I think you answered my question there. Okay. When it comes to, for somebody else that might be in that rocky cutscene, but it just... Like, they don't realize that they're going to end up winning the fight, 
right? But they're in that grind and they don't really know what's going to happen next. Like, what does it feel like? And how do you, like, motivate yourself to, like, keep keep pushing through? Mm. Dude, this shit is not easy. It is not easy. There's times where... Yeah, bro, this... You'll, you'll ask anybody who is on the path to greatness or has achieved greatness, and they'll let you know their war stories. But it's one thing to hear it on a podcast and then experience it for yourself. It's currently the case that I'm experiencing it. And, yeah, there's times where you're like, like the the time that you saw me and we were just running on fumes. Um, when that happens a couple of days in a row, you're just like, damn, bro, is this even worth it? At the end of the day, we're all going to die. If, God forbid, I was to get in an accident like tomorrow or today, it would have all been for nothing. So what's the point in even doing all this stuff? But then there's kind of two ways that you can look at it. There's one, yeah, we're going to die, so nothing matters. Or we're going to die, so nothing matters. <laughs> you might as well try. Marcus Aurelius, he says, um, soon, you will have be- soon you will have been forgotten, and soon everyone will have forgotten you, which kind of speaks to that first point. You're going to die, so what's the point of doing anything? But then Maya Angelou, she has this other quote that says, people won't forget, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And so what that speaks to is this, this fundamental principle that I think kind of governs our universe, which is the ripple effect. The fact that we make this decision here and we make this decision today, and although we might not know it right now, it's going to affect generations and generations and generations down the line. Even when the world explodes, the impact that humans made on this planet will affect some stars out there, right? So the action that you take now has a bunch more significance than you, than you realize. And when you realize that fact, I think that's the thing that keeps you going, that you just got to do what you've been called to do. And so at the end of the day, just do it type thing. Wow. wow. That, 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 that was beautiful. Hey, talk about a bar. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Well, we are looking. It is. We are got to wrap up. Thank you so much, Will. Like that, that was like. That was that, a perfect that, way to end it. Yeah, that was, that was a I, real perfect way to end it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for being Dude, on, this the, has been dope. on the podcast. Yeah. And then for all of you guys listening, I hope you have a great rest of your day. If you could leave a five-star review, it helps a lot with SEO um, and getting our name up and other people to discover this podcast. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Deuces. <laughs> that was sick.